0: It is commonly agreed that practicum-based learning is essential for success in a variety of different careers. This is especially true for educators who already get great experience through this process at Washington State University. Yet many pre-service teachers feel unprepared to work with culturally and linguistically diverse students. Enter case-based instruction, which assistant professor of educational psychology Kira Carbono says could give an authentic classroom-like experience to these pre-service teachers. Education Eclipse starts now. Education, news, and research. These are the conversations happening inside education, athletic training, sports science, and sport management that are going to transform each. It's education. Eclipse from Washington State University here on Education Eclipse and I'm so pleased to join Kira Carboneau who's one of our phenomenal faculty members now I'm setting the bar really high now just FYI you can't tell she's laughing over there really she's nervous so Kira you are the Barry Family Fellowship recipient for 2017-2018 and let's just set the stage for what that means So the Berry Family Fellowship is a little more prestigious than the typical faculty funding award and it's associated with a greater outcome expectation, so you have to do a little bit more, but you also get a little more money, which is nice. And it's named for Joan and George Berry. Joan Berry is on our advisory board and she's been a, a huge supporter of our college, so thank you to the Berries, first of all, throw that out there. So you're the recipient of the Berry Family Fellowship, and the research that you've done in conjunction with this is something you shared at WCU Showcase. So I guess give me the very broad overview first, and then we'll dive down into specifics over what your research was under the Berry Family Fellowship.
1: Great. Well, first we need to mention that I had several co-authors on the Barry Fellowship. Oh, we don't um, need to
0: worry about them. They <laughs> so just Brent throw them. A- yeah.
1: No, Brett Barrio, Yulia Ardacheva, and Sarah Newcomer. Um, they all put in with the application for uh, the, gra- the faculty funding that we re- all received the award for. So we're all Barry Family um, Fellows. Um, And it's an interesting collaboration because we all come from very different backgrounds um, in our educational experiences and so we were able to pool our expertise um, to come up with this project and this idea of providing pre-service teachers with authentic classroom scenarios to help them or expose them and help them learn about culturally responsive teaching and um, practices that we can use in the classroom and know that not every situation has one right answer.
0: I appreciate that you mentioned that you have four individuals here with varying backgrounds. It's hard to talk about culturally responsive teaching and other practices and not have a diverse group of people that are helping with this project, so that's great. So when you say authentic classroom experience, Mm I know that no matter how well you prepare people, generally speaking, for the classroom, uh, you know, students get out there and then all of a sudden the harsh realities of, of life happen and, and here they're confronted with their own classroom, right? And some do extraordinarily well and we as a college do prepare them well. But what is the, the challenge with the, the whole culturally responsive needs that are, that are out there? I mean, what, what, what's the issue
1: that we face? Um, Teaching about cultural responsive practices is different than, uh, for example, teaching someone how to add or teaching someone how to teach someone how to add. There's very concrete strategies that we can use um, to help young children learn how to add, but cultural responsive teaching requires um, us as educators of pre-service teachers to help them um, expose them. Um, to a belief system that might be completely foreign to them, to expose them to the idea that uh, what we set as expectations in the the classroom uh, may need to shift or change um, depending on the students that we have in our classroom. And that shifting and changing isn't a bad thing, um, that these um, are actually helping every student succeed.
0: Yeah, It is difficult to teach people to teach people. Uh, I can tell you as a student growing up, I was difficult to teach. I think I I probably sent four or five teachers into early retirement. So we know that the practicum-based learning, the practicum model is important to give them that experience. But through this research that you're doing, what are these students doing that is vastly different?
1: Well, in a utopia world, right, we would have our students in education be in the classroom from the get-go, because you mentioned as they walk into the sure. classroom, it hands-on experience is the best. Um, but what we have found is that we, we can't do that, probably logistically, financially, so we need to come up with different ways to expose them to many different scenarios. So the students that were in this study, there was two conditions. One group saw case studies. Um, real-life examples of teaching that brought in emotions, that brought in teachers' frustrations, um, that brought in um, other students in the classroom and try to hit them from as many different uh, perspectives of what was going on in the classroom as possible. So they read that that's what we've kind of termed as authentic. They read these case studies um, as some students did um, and then they had to respond to what would they do, what did the teacher do in the case and then what would they do differently. Other students read textbook um, excerpts of the same information um, and we wanted to see if showing them these practices or ways to respond in a culturally uh, responsive way, could they pick it up through the authentic classroom rather than just reading about it uh, in a textbook excerpt so that when they go out into the classroom they might be able to recall, think about what the teacher in their, their um, case did and how they might differ from it. So hoping to kind of anchor what they would do in this emotional response that's easier to pull out when you're teaching. How
0: did you measure improvement or some kind of progress, I mean from the beginning to where they were later?
1: So we did it on several different measures. One was this um, the idea of self-efficacy or your belief in your ability to do something. Um, so we asked uh, asked them a series of questions on how do you feel how prepared or how do you b- feel about your ability to work with uh, students who are different from you um, so we have that um, scale um, and we asked that again at the end and we saw students who Um, viewed the case, had increases in their um, self-efficacy. We also had them evaluate uh, a case. So some people saw cases and then some people saw a text. Um, And then we present them with a new classroom scenario and we asked them to evaluate it. And we're in the middle of scoring those. Um, but what we're, we're hoping for is that each time they saw this was a five-week study. Each time they saw a case, that they were able to pull out more strategies each week. Um, and so we are finishing that up right now. Um, uh, some of the funds that we have left over will be used in the summer to really code that data um, and see how they're how they did.
0: Your initial findings indicate that case-based instruction could potentially be extremely promising. So what are the next steps then? Where do we go from here?
1: Um, We always like more money, (laughs) (laughs) but um, the next steps are really to find out what are the mechanisms behind the case that are working. So a component that we have nested in this study is um, case-based instruction isn't new to education. So As I was being prepared to be a teacher, I learned from case studies. I had to write case studies. I had to look at one student and talk all about that student. But what we don't know is can we teach cultural responsive practices through this? So that was what this did. And then we also don't know all the mechanisms behind why case-based instruction is really good or this idea of presenting authentic classroom scenarios. Um, so we want to now see, do, will students do better with collaboration of looking at a case study? Um, do they need expert teacher responses? Do they need to see a textbook and then a case? Um, so there's many new directions that we can go now that we know that this kind of um, textbook to case is better, um, but how can we enhance that learning even more?
0: Just ask somebody who was in the classroom, you know, what was, what was the hardest part of, about teaching? And I'm guessing that that's not what drove you to become a faculty member. You said, I just can't handle it anymore. These kids Actually, are Actually,
1: that question is why I became a faculty member. Um, because I, most of my teaching is uh, in from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I had uh, populations of students in my classroom that would leave um, to return to Mexico to go work the fields and then come back. So I had kind of this constant turnover. And what I realized is the strategies that I was um, taught during my um, education, uh, you know, undergraduate, didn't help me. I didn't know. Um, I was also taught to be colorblind. This is a phrase. Um, when I was going through my um, education, undergraduate, that I was told that you know you treat everybody equally, and at the heart of it, yeah, you treat everybody equally, but you know, giving everybody the exact same instruction, giving everybody the exact same attention, actually doesn't allow everyone to succeed. It's uh, not culturally responsive. It's not culturally responsive, and it doesn't um, account for each individual in your classroom and what they might need to be successful. So um, I actually felt that I wasn't serving my students very well so I went on to my masters thinking that I would go into leadership and leadership would be the the route for me and I would be able to help that way. Um, I found that leadership was not my (laughs) my personality and, and didn't allow me to go back to how teaching how we should best teach students and so that led me to educational psychology the theory and the application of those theories to the classroom. And that's actually what my research agenda is, is to to find what instructional strategies um, best promote student learning and to know that instructional strategies need to come from a culturally responsive background.
0: I would hope that after all the research you're doing, it's actually also making you a better teacher, right? In, in your classes.
1: Absolutely. And so my statistics class that I teach, you know, knowing phrases that I use or the outcomes that I expect, um, they vary across many students. Um, so not that, that their expectations are lower, but the products that they sometimes turn in um, look vastly different.
0: Cool. The College of Education has been a leader in culturally responsive teaching practices, diverse and equitable teaching, social justice. This is awesome. I really like the the thought that some of our pre-service teachers are going to get a little more capacity. So when they go out and start teaching, they're, they're going to be better equipped than than you were in Albuquerque, yeah. right? So. That's my goal. That's your goal. That's, and you're going to, it will be your success. So thank you so much, Kira, for, for sitting down with me.
1: Great. Thank you. You've been
0: listening to Education Eclipse, a College of Education podcast from Washington State University.